hundred years. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Who the F is Mike Young would like to thank our incredible sponsor, Blue Team. Ain't nothing funny about a commercial disaster or renovation project. Blue Team handles all aspects of construction, roofing, and disaster recovery for commercial property owners and operators throughout the U.S. No company comes even close to Blue Team. Blue Team handles the projects from start to finish so our clients can focus on running their business, and that is no joke. Call the experts at Blue Team at 855-522-2583. Blue Team, anywhere, anytime. Who the F is Mike Young? Mike Young sitting here with Bob Saget. Yeah, I miss uh, stories that need to be told, but you got to switch things over. What would you do, change the banner? <laughs> I changed the banner. I changed the name. Do yeah, I know no. why I changed the name? Yeah, because you did a pilot called Who the F is Mike Young. And it seemed to fit in place because some people you feel don't know who you are yet. And so you wanted to not be coming off as stories that need to be told. You wanted to come off as... Who am I? Right. But the F adds a little bit of... Edge. Or insulting you that you think you're not well known. Well, it's not that. No, but I think you're right. I am right. I am not well known. Every show we go to, nobody knows me. You will be. He will be. Yeah, that's his act. Mike, Mike can go into his act at any time of day. It could be five in the morning and he'll go off. I've been very lucky to be on the road with Bob. For, Same here with uh, you. I mean, you just bought me a nail clipper. <laughs> That's what I do. I bought a bottle of water. I got Bob a nail clipper. He's all cleaned up. And we're we're in an airport. Go. We're doing this podcast from an airport. Literally from an airport after four great shows. Somewhere, what a fun weekend. Somewhere in New Mexico. We're not going to say where. We're not going to say the city or the town. We're just going to say there's a lot of tile. But we tile. had four great shows at a casino in Albuquerque. <laughs> so if you check on your uh, Google casino in Albuquerque, you'll know exactly where we were. But forget that. We got a lot of touring coming up. In two weeks, we're at the Miami Improv. And then I go off to Canada for four days. And then we go back to New York area. And we play Tarrytown in the Great Theater in Inglewood, New Jersey. And then we play uh, Hard Rock Casino in Atlantic City. And then we go to Denver Comedy Works, uh, you know, the one that's out there. Yeah. Let me, let me say this about Bob. He Bob, promotes without talking to people. <laughs> no, but I'll say this. You're working on a new hour. And I have a new hour. And I'm watching but it happen. But I want to add better stuff. How come happen? I can't I get wanna... a, a question it? Oh, yeah. It's your podcast. This <laughs> is... By yeah. the way, my podcast starts in the next month or two, and it's going to be uh, pretty strong. So I'm excited about it. I saw the I saw the pictures. I saw yeah, you didn't bo- hear it yet. Maybe I'll send it to you now. Send it to me now. Yeah, because I you, can't wait to hear. You it. couldn't work AirDrop on your phone. No, your podcast is going to be huge, Bob, because you're one of the we don't know only that. people I know who can have a full 45 minute monologue, and it's going to be funny not talking to anybody if you don't need, if you don't want anybody on it. Isn't that what we're doing right now? Talking to no one. No one's listening. No, they are. But I'm watching. Why go negative? You got to go positive. People are listening to this. I know they are. So what I want to say is I'm watching Bob craft this new hour. And I got to say, I'm super impressed by you 
even when you're learning a new song, you plow through, and by the next night, it's hitting. And then the audience before was picketing because I didn't know it. But I bail. (laughs) No, but I I watched you. I say I don't know it. No, but but I... I watched you not know it for a second, and you feel like it maybe Many didn't, seconds. But maybe you feel like it didn't go great, but the audience was so with you that they just rolled with you when you picked it up again. My audiences are wonderful. I just love them. I mean, I, it, it's, like, amazing. It's like I never wanted... You know, when you start off as a stand-up, you're like, wow, people would... If they knew me, they'd be nicer to me. That's not always the truth, you know? Some people are just aren't nice people that do comedy, and so... It doesn't matter how well-known you are. They'll go, would you believe what what's-his-name did or what's-her-name did? But nowadays, if you really are a well-known comedian, like you look at the, you know, obviously the top of the mountain is Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock and and uh, Bill Burr and people that are selling out any amount of seats they want. And and they're good people. Right, you're saying there's a likability factor. But they're just real. Just they're just, and the likability comes from them being good people. Yes. Like they'll talk to everybody equally, unless proven otherwise. I think you're that way on stage. You're all you. Well, I'm off you're stage not... like that. You can hear how happy and pleasant I am. <laughs> you're so amazing to be it's around. It's early. I'm tired. I couldn't ask to be with you... anybody better. Hey, Barbara, we're going to the airport. Let's do a podcast. Look at that war plane. No, thanks. Yeah, I see that. I, fo- I forced Bob into a podcast, but I feel uh, it's been... I've been pod-forced. You've been, <laughs> he's been pod-forced, you but you're going to do a new hour. We're both working on new material. Do you still love going out and doing this? Well, more than ever. Because you seem like you love it. Well, if it's new, you don't know what you're doing, so that's the best. Right. It's like starting over again, and I refuse to do the old stuff, although last night when they were so drunk... I decided at the casino, if you do a late show at a casino, especially on a Friday night, you got to sometimes just go, okay, I'm going to toss up some heavy hitters that will go over the fence. Even though I've done them before, they still don't know them because maybe they didn't, probably didn't see my last special. They just have, it's a cumulative knowledge of me from uh, 10 years old to death. (laughs) When When you do My Dog Lick My Balls, there's 600 people singing the chorus with you. That's got to be fun. Yeah, but there's 5,000 there. Right. No, but 600 is all you need. That's true. Yeah, people do sing it. It's also very catchy. Do you feel any pressure to do new hours? Like back when, when you came up, guys were doing new hours every five years. No. Now I feel like people well, are trying to rush. Except Carlin would do four. He did 14 HBO specials. Which was just incredible. Yeah, well, because he was... A genius. You know. And would he just be all day in a hotel writing and then just doing his thing? I don't think he just lived in a hotel. He was George Carlin. So I think he, has, he had his nice home. He had an office in it. And when he was on the road, um, it's the same for everybody. You come up with stuff when you come up with stuff. I don't, I don't, I mean, I think he wrote down stuff. I know a lot of people that did. I mean, Richard Pryor had notes. Right. I would see them and go, wow, if I steal them, I could sell them one day. Um, <laughs> You know, Gary Shanley had tons of notes. Um, there's different ways to do it. Some people formulate it on stage. Richard really formulated it on stage. I think Dave Chappelle writes stuff down, but it's really about going up every night and just working out the stories and remembering what they are and going, oh, darn, I forgot that thing that happened to me, you know, and how I feel about married people or how I feel about 
kids or whatever. Right. I'll see you write things down, but you'll I don't see you writing like long form sentences. You'll write I concepts. do sometimes. I do it on on the Siri, which is the enemy of the people. Right. Uh, cuz she's now the new phones now with Siri. I just want to know if anybody else has this experience. They re- she repeats the entire paragraph and then you have to delete the second pass of it cuz she writes it twice. Right. Have you noticed that? I've noticed that, and she also gets words wrong if you're not perfectly articulate. Yeah. It's it's not But anybody does with me, so. But what would you say your method is of creating new material? Something will hit you, you'll write it down. It has to be funny to me. No, but I'm saying you'll practice it. You'll only practice it on stage? Yeah. You're not I'm somebody not that's in the mirror. mirror. No, I'm not on the pilot on who the hell is Mike <laughs> Young. I'm all over the mirror. If you're talking into a mirror, you're Rupert Pupkin from the King of Comedy. Sometimes that's I feel like him. did before he goes and goes berserko. But that's, you have to see that movie. It's a Martin Scorsese movie. It's very good. Sandra Bernhardt's really good. Robert De Niro. They stole some of it in The Joker. And Jerry Lewis. Uh, yeah, they, they had many ideas in The Joker, which is a very uplifting film and good to take kids to. Take all your kids to The Joker. I met a girl who took her seven-year-old to The Joker. I never wanted to true? talk to her again. Yeah. Well, she should not be allowed to be a mom. Yeah, no, I talked to her. I met her. That's a damaging movie. It damaged me for five days. Yeah, I watched it and was really upset. Really it, it upset. Was, yeah, it was heavy. I was upset that they... It's, it's amazingly made, but I, I just find it to be uh, too painful. Let me ask you this, Bob. You, I'd rather see... Or not. You know, people always say... You will. People... You know, Jack Nicholson, I believe, is the one that said it. On television, you, can, you can't you can show a nipple, but you can shoot one off. Right. You know, like in a cop show. So that's truth. I mean, it's the same thing. This, to me, the Joker was pornography. As, as, yeah. as And it was beautifully made. Beautifully. And incredibly acted. But... You know, it was a little, right. You felt like it was a little bit over the top, self-serving sort of. I felt violated, watched, a right? Because I had dirty. enough personal stuff with people that have mental issues in my life that I don't want to watch it. But you, you know, that's what art is. It's it. You know, art is as dark as it can be. Also, see, we're in an airport. That's not a lady next to us with a microphone. <laughs> There's no megaphone this near is your us. podcast. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. I, now I can't even remember what I was going to say. Okay, oh, so was anyway, gonna, when no, I was, I was gonna, 10. I, no, I was going to say, Bob handles, and I know you're not going to like, I don't, you don't like when I say famous, whatever, but you handle the attention very well. Almost like you're just floating through and dealing with it. Is it because you've been dealing with it for so long? Because we get approached everywhere. I, mean, I used to be paranoid. I used to be, when, when uh, Full House was on and the video show was on and they were in the top 10, um, I didn't enjoy it because I, I was always being paparazzi and stuff. But uh, at the airport we're at right now, I don't think anybody even owns a camera except their phone. Uh, but I would I would say um, I kind of grew up. I mean, I'm 63 now. I'm not 30. When you so, say you were paranoid, though, were you hold like... Hold on, I want to hear this announcement. <laughs> I think it's... Well, oh, we'll paranoid. Fame, when it hits you... Uh, you don't understand it, and you don't realize that you're just a person, and you have to know yourself. And most people that are 30 years old, as weird as that sounds, don't know themselves yet. But we do have a new onslaught of really good millennials and uh, the Gen X elders, and they um, there are some really smart people that understand themselves. I know a couple 10-year-old actors that understand themselves. They're like, 
amazing. Really? Little 10-year-olds that are just comfortable with the fame? Yeah, I mean, they just get it. And they realize that they're, it, it, there's an older soul inside them. You know? Right, just rolling through 10 years old, sunglasses. Well, if you see Jojo Rabbit and watch the boy that starred in that, I don't know his he's name. A special but kid. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he knows maybe more than I do, which isn't hard. But We had a kid actor on My Man is a Loser, and he was like, who's getting my car? Who, that's what picking, he said. I swear to God, he goes, "Who's getting the car?" The well, a lot of a lot of kids ask that. They want to get home. Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't want to get kidnapped or nothing. So that's just a normal thing. Yeah. The mother would say, "Always find out where your car is." Was there ever? <laughs> yeah. Was there ever a time where your kids wanted to get into acting? Never. They, Never. Well, they would do musicals with a local group, like you know, just a, a little. Uh, a lady that taught musical comedy and there was one time where my um, oldest daughter played the daughter of my middle daughter and uh, she they did uh, The Music Man and so I don't know if anybody knows The Music Man but it was a great musical and so my middle daughter the younger daughter and this, I guess she's about nine yeah, and my older daughter's like 11 so the nine-year-old is going but he doesn't know the territory you know telling her what to do (laughs) so that was fun these announcements are good for a podcast listen i knew it was gonna be tough to lock you down i knew you wouldn't want to do it on the airplane we're on the move does a podcast with a lot of loud humming going on i mean i didn't know what i didn't know why would you do it while heavy machinery is in the background i'd rather hear this lady luckily your voice just pierces right through any of this this stuff it's interesting. We've been around a lot of people here in the nondescript city we were in, and I we had, I don't know what goes on here. I, I don't think the Me Too movement has hit this city because I noticed a lot of dudes are, uh, I could hear them and understand them, but a lot of the ladies that drove us Quiet were, talkers. were scared. They were shy and scared. Like, it, I got the feeling they go home and the guy says, don't you raise your voice to me. And they're like, I can't. They're not even audible. No. I think a sparrow could hear them. We haven't heard a woman speak in this town since we got here. Which is not good. Not it's good not at all. not where we're at. Speak we up. We're at a place where where women have a stronger voice than men in many cases and need one. And I said that I'm on an, stage last night. I said, women are the new men. This is your moment. Well, that's, uh, the, they've actually... In my life, always been in control. But um, Same I here. Mean, three strong da- mom. Three daughters. Strong mom. Told strong. me not to say anything wrong. So there goes where my stand-up went. Right. Um, and Everything went wrong. Yeah, pretty much. I just didn't do what I was told. But my dad was funny. So, Do you think your style of comedy, Bob, was a natural evolution of you? Or was it some character that you were working on or no character was never a character it just was never, you. never a character at all you were always just quick i was influenced by people at 17 that's when i really started doing stand-up heavy i've written a bunch of music that was horrible since i was 14 and i'd made movies eight millimeters since i was nine so i'd made 60 hours of movies then i went to film school but but my attitude in comedy, I was heavily influenced at 17 by sneaking in to see Don Rickles opening for Frank Sinatra. And his stuff felt off the cuff and impromptu. Though, as I've learned, as I do what idiots call audience work, your crowd work is good. It's like, how about no, we call it what it is? It's talking to human beings and they talk to you and we're in a, a, a room together, a big room. 
and everybody's a collective and and crowd work is people people that aren't comedians or are your crowd work's really good it's like they don't know sorry you want to put a definition on what I do but or what people do but anyway Don Rickles huge influence Martin Mull huge influence he did comedy songs better than anybody had ever heard and I saw him at 17 at the main point in Philly wow Um, so the other influences were Steve Martin you know but I didn't take any of his I didn't you just loved them you just gravitated well, he towards was, them he was a genius you know he yeah. took 10 years of he took 20 years of his life and put it into his stand up I mean he was blowing up balloon animals at Disneyland right and playing banjo with an arrow in his head <laughs> but but you have a gift of wittiness you have a gift of when somebody says something you don't even have the, you don't there's no extra beats for you to come back you come back right away with something sharp is yeah, that something there's no time to waste because you don't want to give anybody the jump no, it's also Groucho influence. I watched uh, all Marx Brothers movies and uh, You Bet Your Life, and someone would say something, and it's timing. Got to come back right away, you know. And it didn't even have to be funny. It's like Margaret Dumont was an actress, and she would go. It's in the '30s. She would go. You were only half a man, and he would go. If I was half a man, I'd be in a zoo. And it doesn't even make sense. It's right. not. He would be in a in a hospital. I mean, he's half a man. He'd be in a science lab. Missing, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's half a guy. And um, so, I mean, and my dad was very funny and very influenced by, like, Ernie Kovacs, off-road people, television person Ernie Kovacs. That's, the younger people can just Google, doesn't matter. But I, I like, I appreciate a lot of new comedians, too. Um, was, was your dad funny the way that you're funny? Like, the same style? Yeah, my dad was wit, wit, 10% wit. from being a comedian. But he couldn't. He was a depression kid. He had to raise five siblings. His father died when he was young of a liver failure. I wonder what that was caused by. Right. Because depression made you drink. And he was a tailor, um, which is rough stuff, you know. He was good. But it's funny. not keep you alive to be knit, knitting. Even though we have an age difference, I feel like we have a similar background in that. Like, I come from those old... Jews that were depression era Jews that were not like you know not the Jewish people that you hear everyone talking about the lawyer the doctor you come from a butcher family meat you know you not a butcher like he killed people but but meat I come from a butcher like he killed people my dad worked for a supermarket company he started as a meat cutter and then worked his way up to meat manager and then meat supervisor and uh, he's a self-made meat man (laughs) and then he got became a district manager and then he was one of the heads of meat with probably I don't know how many they had, maybe 30 of them. And we would move from town to town because he was trying to save the meat, trying to save the stores. <laughs> He's a meat your, dad, your dad did what for a living? Scrap metal. For the first, in his 30s, he worked in an all-men's health club, just running a health club for no money. And then he got a dump truck, and he taught himself how to be a scrap peddler. So he peddled scrap down eight mile and finally made a great living towards the last four years of his life. But before that was really scraping it together. So it was hard for him to raise a family. It was tough. He was, you know, he was always scared of, you know, not having enough money. Yeah, we grew up. You you got your brother Rob and who else you got? Just me and Rob and my mom and dad. My mom's, you know, my dad passed when he was 47. The uncles. My mom's, yeah, I got, my mom was one of seven kids, three suicides. We don't need to go there, but you and have, I probably get Have along, they heard this podcast? <laughs> well, it's not out yet. But no, but I mean, maybe that's why. <laughs> Did they hear stories <laughs> that need I mean. to be told, took their life, and then you changed the name? That was it. 
After the last one hit, jumped off the bridge, I had to change the name. Jumped off a bridge? Yeah. Into the water? I was going to call my album. Was it water? There was water. Oh, well, then they're fine. You've been on the bridge. It's between Canada and Detroit. You don't even know if they're alive or not. No, they found them. Windsor? Windsor. Yeah. The Ambassador Bridge. I was going to name my comedy album Two Guns and a Bridge, but nobody I, I thought don't. You're not a rapper. I would take it easy. Well, it was just, it was just a sad... It's all sad. Mike's almost a rapper. He's involved with a lot of people that are uh, in the hip rappers and hip hop. Yeah, I love rap. You, you got- love rap. Rappers love Bob. This is what Bob floats through life, and I've been telling him this for even though he doesn't want to tell me that I've been telling him. But like Snoop loves Bob. Little John loves Bob. Who's the other guy? That, Lil Wayne. That, Little Wayne. Little Wayne loves a song Bob. About me. Mention me in it. Not about me. The best rappers in the me. game. I'm telling you, Bob. Next year or even this year. Please, let Kanye me, let me was rude to me once. You don't need him. He, and you don't then work Snoop with him. said, "Don't don't mind him." Yeah, he, don't mind him. You listen to Snoop's the Godfather. I think this year you do a song with Snoop. Just reach out. I'm glad you're will, coming up with moves for my career. I, I, I'm, I'm your co-manager. Well, I got a lot to do. I got to do a special, and we'll see what happens. And I got a couple shows, and I want to direct this movie. So we'll see what happens. How will we you don't know with show business. People always say, hey, so when are you going to know? You know, you come home from a meeting and someone says, hey, when are you going to know? It's like, I don't know. You're not, you, you, show business doesn't work that way. What a strange business. It does if you walk in an office and you're big enough. And if Brad Pitt goes into an office and says, I want to make this movie, most no one says no. I mean, because he's guaranteed, anyone that is guaranteed to put people in seats and make money is a, it's a rarity these days. It is a rarity. There's only a few Tom Hanks on this earth. Actually, there's only one. One Tom Hanks, one Leo. And uh, that's true. Leo puts people in seats. I mean, I watched uh, during the, watching award shows is kind of painful if you're not invited because you (laughs) did something good. And uh, that's life. That's what people say. Riding high in April and you're shot down in May. Now you got to pay royalties. But um, I was watching Brad Pitt give his really funny speech about Once Upon a Time in America. And uh, I think it was the SAG Awards, I think. I think you're and right. And it was really funny, really clever. When he said that thing about Leo? Tinder and all that thing. He, you know, he, he, right. Anyone he's in a picture with he's dating? That, that comment? Yeah. And I, I, think, I think he took your joke. I got to be honest. What was it? You know how you used to have the joke about the Titanic and Leo floating on the ice thing? and whatever? Yeah, but a lot of people did that kind of joke. I heard it. Okay, because Brad Pitt was like, Leo, was different, i got to be honest, I would have moved over on Craig the ice. Craig Ferguson's break. a friend, and he did one like, I mean, a lot of people did. I heard Bill Burr do one the other night on an old special. Yeah. He was talking about it, but I always say that she could have split the door with him, but she didn't, which <laughs> is a comedy club reference, right? right? theater reference. Eddie but, Murphy had opened with... with You've been talking about you're the only dad, TV dad you can trust. Eddie Murphy opened with a solid Cosby thing. Yeah, everybody is do. because he's it's kind of zeitgeist. Well, he was the he was the icon. He was the king of. He changed comedy, and then he was really rigid about don't use foul language and stuff. And then Richard Pryor was doing Cosby kind of stuff. And even some of the material, I think Cosby was mad at him, but I found out Cosby got mad at everybody because Richard just went, I'm I'm going off. I'm just going to go do what my heart says to do. And Cosby didn't like that. He didn't like that I was blue, Cosby. Um, Did he ever come to the comedy store the way that you would see all the other guys, Pryor and I, Letterman? And uh, I, I don't remember seeing him there. Johnny Carson went on stage there. 
A bunch? Red Fox went on stage enough. You know, once or twice is enough for me. I love Red Fox. Did you love Red Fox? Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Funny is funny. Funny About is funny. About as funny as you can be. He just lived in the funny. Mom's Mabley was funny. These oh, are yes. funny people. Yeah. Um, there's a friend of mine, Jeremy Kramer, used to do a bit about Red Fox and Mom's Mabley, and you couldn't tell which one was which, and it was always using the ladies' parts words. And this is old school, so please don't be offended, but Red Fox please. would go, you, you didn't know what he was saying. You go, I don't know nothing any you pussy. And then Mom's Mabley would go, well, why don't you come over here, Red? I don't see my pussy. And it was just... Pussy, pussy, pussy. It was just... And it was the only word you could understand in their sentences. Yeah, but it was That's just funny because they were just funny. They were just so funny. I was so influenced by... I mean, I wasn't like I went, I want to be dirty because I was not that dirty. I was more quirky and weird. Yeah, in the beginning? Yeah, for 10 years, you couldn't curse that much. And then I started to curse more as hosting the comedy store for eight years. Um, the original room, main room... Westwood Comedy Store. Do you uh, feel like that's where you found your voice? Was at the Comedy Store just every well, night? I found out what it was like to bomb, and then I found out what it was like to be good. And then the thing I didn't like about it was it was competition, so you had to crush, you had to kill. And that's just like, hey, man, you crushed. It's like, it's really, oh, sorry, an announcement from a lady. <laughs> She's telling me to shut up. <laughs> announcement, please. Bob, hold off on your Comedy Store story. Your narcissism is making me sick. Gating, <laughs> gateboarding, and whatever. Gate the pilot world. can hear you. <laughs> I feel like we're in the movie Airplane. How great is Airplane? It's the best. I mean, come on. I think it holds up. Some people don't. Oh, I do. My friend Jerry Zucker directed it, and I found out all the ins and outs of it. He told me that Robert Stack, for people that are millennials and don't listen, uh, you got to see Airplane. You have to but go Robert see Stack Airplane. Robert Stack is this great character in the movie, and he said he was in a different movie. He didn't understand what they were doing. Lloyd Bridges did because he picked a bad day to stop sniffing glue. Oh my God! Um, but but that movie's perfection. They just wrote thousands of jokes, and they had a story guy at Warner Brothers, um, and this was Jerry Zucker, his brother David Zucker, and Jim Abrams, and they wrote the movie just jokes, 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 and um, what a classic! It's a piece of work. Airplane Two is good. By the way, it makes total sense that Robert Stack didn't know what movie he was in because Zucker Brothers probably said, just keep doing what you're doing because it's working in this comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Because he could, he was playing a drama. And they are also... And it was they genius. OJ in movies. OJ was in, like, Police Squad, you know? Yeah. He was because they made Academy. all the... No, Police Squad. Uh, Leslie Nielsen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that was um, the Naked Gun movies. Yeah, who Naked Police Squad was a TV version, but it was oh, okay. Naked Gum was the movies, and they did like three of them with Leslie Nielsen, who was brilliant, who was the doctor in Airplane. And um, when OJ was in, they said that he had Final Cut. <laughs> I should, <laughs> only reason I brought it up is that a new joke? No, that's he's great. In, it's not. I'm not doing that. Final Cut. I don't want to talk about him. He'll come after me. He said on on Twitter he's got scores to settle. Oh, my God. Did he say that? Yeah. I but I think it had to do with, with the Heisman. I don't know. You live near him. No. Can we not give addresses on the <laughs> no address? Stuff? You do the no. weirdest stuff. You come Bob out thinks and I give, give away addresses, his location. phone numbers, emails. You do all kinds of I crap. I live near him. You need to learn to give people their anonymity. And you know a lot of famous people. Do you do this with them? No. Not at all. We don't it's even talk. bizarre. It's so weird. 
We don't even talk. Oh, I don't God. know. I'm you not. Listen, I'm from Detroit, him. man. I'm I still don't not comfortable live near him. I'm like an I outsider who's lived, inside. I never lived near him. No. Ever. No. He lived in in Beverly Hills, and I live. Yeah. West. Wherever you live. Wherever you live. Weirdo. It's not, near, not near there. Who was? Who were the Zucker brothers influenced by? Where did that style of Marx brothers? The Marx Brothers. Everybody was influenced. I was influenced by Chaplin. I mean, that was the to me. It was like if I can combine pathos and comedy. I mean, one of the first things I did of significance film wise was this movie for Hope for ABC with Danny Delaney starring, and it was based on my sister dying of scleroderma, and it was loosely based, but it was pretty spot on. I had Harold Gould play my dad from The Sting. Harold Gould, good actor. Polly Bergen, famous person. Uh, Did you write singer. that? No, Susan Rice wrote it. But she spent time interviewing my whole family. Wow. And Tracy Nelson, Rick Nelson's daughter, played my ex-wife. And uh, Chris Demetro played my nephew, Adam. And uh, it was a series. It was, the first half hour was funny. There comes a really? plane. It's going to land right in the terminal. But <laughs> um, the first half hour was a comedy movie of the week, disease movie of the week they were making a lot of those. A lot of disease movies were right, coming but this was then. ABC. This was Bob Iger and Ted Harbert uh, and Bob Iger's Walt Disney now. But, CEO, uh, they, I read his book. They were, he's... You're in it. He's a good man. He talks about the video show. Yeah. Yeah, because we made them. They were they were number three and we got them to number one with the video show. People were getting hit in the nuts. That's what they talked about. And you about. couldn't watch Daniel Tosh. There wasn't. He was he was two. You know, and and uh, Rob Deerdick and the good people that do these video shows. And there's a lot of them. You know, you're Joel the godfather of the video show. I'm, I'm not. Well, I'm the first person that did it successfully and in well, the way it was, it was eight, supposed eight to be done. Eight years of being a top ten show, and then they took it off for a while because it started to go into the thirties, but it still had like a thirty share. But that was still not enough. Now they would beg for a 30 share. Oh, my God. No one gets a 30. Well, uh, Norman Lear does with Jimmy Kimmel with those wonderful All in the Family live shows. Right. I think they had some some crazy number. Did they? I I, I don't want to say a 50 share because it doesn't sound possible, but I think it was really, like, historic. You've always had an affinity for older... All the older guys, the old school guys, I like love older you. men. They turn me on. Bob loves old men. Older yeah. men. I like. Well, the, Norman Lear is not an older man. He's just my friend. He, the, you know, there's no age. Like I could talk to a five year old the same as I could talk to a, you know, sixty year old because most sixty year olds you meet don't have more brains than a five year old. And then you meet a five year old who's got the brains of a sixty year old. They learn quick. Those five. I don't know what happens. Some of them, some just stare at you know felt. But uh, some of them are quite bright. My daughters are pretty bright. It's funny. You feel right at home with all these guys. You know, they're your peers. Well, if they feel they, at home with me. But I'm saying they I mean, all respect you. But I feel at home you. with people that started with me. I'm close with people. You know, when I see, and not often enough, Paul Reiser or Kevin Nealon or, you know, we, we immediately have a, have a thing. And do you guys ever look at each other and go, man, we did great in this no. thing that we all started? No, because I'm not done. No, I don't mean it's over. I mean, don't you ever look at each other and go, man, this was such a tough road in the early days. No. It's so great no, to see we us go, all doing well. Can you believe who's dead? That's what we go through. Right. I ran into Michael Keaton, who was a great stand-up. And when I was at the comedy store, he was one of my favorites because it was all conceptual. And he was always funny and delightful and just a special, special artist guy. And we ran into each other and started talking a lot. 
because Gary Shanley had died, Robin Williams had died, and we just sat there and we just had to talk. Right. And we've been reaching out to each other. After Robin, a lot of us reached out to each other because it was like, what the fuck has happened? Why is he gone? How right. can he be gone? This force of nature. Force this un- of unusual nature. unusual thing. I only got to see him a few times at the comedy store in my life. I saw him perform at the Fox Theater in Detroit. It was one of the greatest things I've ever witnessed. He had oh, we so got much Royal energy. Oak on there. Royal on the schedule. It's not on your Sorry website. Sorry about yet. Robin. No, I know. I know things you <laughs> don't know. We're Sorry doing Royal Robin Oak. Williams. We're doing. Uh, we're doing Cleveland, and we're doing Cincinnati. I think. Yeah, you said. that's right. I can't wait. Well, uh, you can wait. I love doing these gigs. It's building my act so I much st- faster I, I and stronger actually, going with you. Yeah. Well, you're you you're a powerhouse. You're going to have a lot of good stuff going if you don't put all your material in your pilot. <laughs> Pop saw my pilot. He got upset. That, let's not talk about that. Ten minutes of stand-up in it. Well, <laughs> I say write new stand-up for the pilot. And that's a great idea. But when I say that nobody knows me, I don't mean nobody, but basically nobody. You know, the reason I named it that was because I told you, I don't know. Rogan was talking about me on his thing. And then I got a bunch of messages from people going, are you the Mike Young that he's talking about? And then Bobby Lee said something about me and I got a bunch more messages. So I'm like, you know what? Well, people said there are many people that don't know who either of them are. You know, I mean, Joe's got the biggest one of the biggest podcasts that exists and uh, he can sell out 20,000 seats. But that doesn't always make someone a household name. I came up the hard way doing shows that were not my comedy sensibility, but I embraced the fact that the whole family could watch them together. So this was a part of me that wasn't just the one-track, cynical, I'm too hip for the room, No doubt. and I'm going to speak for my gut. And I regret it somewhat, but I needed to grow up to learn that. And Whoa. in the meantime, I, I made friends with, with a lot of countries. Like People in Russia always tell me they learned to speak English from Full House. Maybe that's the problem. That's <laughs> a huge problem. You could have you, you could have had a major said, deal over should that. We, Putin said, "Should we bomb them?" and and his head general said, "Cut it out." <laughs> Is that in the act? I've never heard you say that. No, I'm. I see. I don't put my stand up in my shows. I got to start writing these things down that you say just to give them to you. Some of them are real gems. Even That's for the not stage. bad. That one. I'll write that down when I'm done. No, you. Bob Saget saved the world. That's going to be the whole theme of that no, chunk. No, I don't think so. Things are going down with Russia. Stuart you go over Smalley. there. You can go over there like Dennis Rodman went over to uh, North Korea. I'm, I'm not a fucking nut. I'm not no. going nowhere. They would embrace you there. You would I, go over I there and give you a hotel. I don't want to go to places that my people fought to get out of because the Cossacks were cutting off their heads. Same here. So I'm not rushing back. Do you know that my last name used to be Yulovsky? My dad's last name was Yulovsky. They changed it when he was in third grade. To Yuritsky? Yeah. Russell Peters says She's I should still use Yulovsky. Yeah, it's you might getting, have to cut this baby short. Yeah. We might have to wrap it up in a minute. I hear a lot of bags coming out. Yeah, yeah. What we're time five is it? minutes from boarding. You want to wrap it up? I think it's a good time because we, we need... We kept it tight? We need to tell stories that need to be told part two because who the F is Mike Young? I don't believe in. I, I know you. Yeah, you know me, but no one else knows me here. Oh, stop it. You no, gotta, but Bob talks you know about you me. you got to stop? The negative attitude. Do I ever? Yeah, it's am a negative self-deprecating negative? attitude. That's a guy with a banjo. Bob, I know Wait I'm a the minute. man. Hold on. I see an elderly man with a banjo strapped that to his That might be Steve Martin. Or with the kid from Deliverance grown up. <laughs> He's got great hair That's for an older Steve man. That's not Steve Martin. He's flying private. We're here with the... 
It's a beautiful at a bus station. <laughs> bus station airport. All right, we'll wrap it up. Okay, we'll well, wrap we have this up. To. This We're going to board a plane. Part one of a six-part series with Bob Saget on who the f is Mike Young. Well, thanks for letting me be part of it. You're a dear friend, and uh, my podcast starts shortly, and it'll be coming out on every platform that exists. It's called down the, at the docks. And what's it called? It's just, I can't talk about okay. it. It hasn't been announced yet. <laughs> We're not talking about it. No, I'm the told pod- until it's announced. I cannot okay. talk about it. But Bob will have a podcast that will be incredible. It will be well, all we'll Bob. See. I don't know. I know. I do all know. Right. Go to com for all our dates, for all Bob's dates for and sure. And will also tell you about all that new stuff exactly. I'm doing. Exactly. And com is being built. It'll be ready within a month. Can you believe it? I'll have a website like a grown-up. I'm sitting here with bated breath. I got worms and minnows in my mouth. <laughs> all right. Love you, bro. Love you, Mike. You're the best guy And to be I love your ruler. listeners. All You've four taught of me them. a lot about this game. This is a great game. It's a big game. Uh, all all right. right, that's it. Let's, we'll uh, talk to you guys later. We're going to go looking for rappers. Can't wait. Thanks, Bob. Take me back when I was a kid. Take me Never back had now. to worry about what I did. The one time I'm a man two. now. Check it out. Now. Gotta the get it down. Sound. No time get for fun now. now. Take me back uh, when I was one, a kid. Two. Never had to worry Take about what back. I Coming did. Coming back for you. But I'm a man now. Where we going now?